Welcome back, listeners. Can you believe it? This is our last episode of the year, which also means 2020 is almost over. Finally, we've been waiting for this. Uh, Listen, just like last year, I've invited my colleague and friend, Ron Theriault, to help me dive into what we've uh, learned from 2020, what we can leave behind as we head into the new year, and, and what we can look forward to in the new year. So, Ron, you ready to go? Yes, I am, and thanks for having me back, Jeff. My pleasure. Well, you know what, Ron? Let's start out with the good riddance section of, of the podcast, right? Good riddance 2020. Uh, what are you looking forward to leaving behind in 2020? Uh, that's a good, good, good opening question. Um, I've got my, my top three. I don't know if there's any music you want to play while I say my top three. But uh, here's the things that uh, I would like to leave behind for 2020. Number one, election fatigue. Oh, I think, yeah. I think that's – and we could discuss as, as we're kind of going because yeah. I think that's one that most Americans would uh, – would agree with me upon right well you know hopefully it will actually be settled by the time we get into 2021 not quite over yet yeah anything could happen in the next two weeks yeah i think we can all look forward to putting that behind us uh number two on the list is distance learning particularly for uh for the uh the kids yeah elementary secondary ed um, you know, my wife being a, a school teacher here in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really kind of it's hurt hurt the kids. It's hurt the family structure, and it's uh, it's hurt um, uh, you know the the ability for the kids to, to learn and blossom. Yeah. Yeah. Socially and intellectually, and yeah. and, and in every way. Yeah. You know, my kids are older, so that mm-hmm. really didn't impact me. But um, we've got a lot of folks in the office who have young. Yeah. It's just been a challenge for them. It's been a challenge for everybody. So. Right. I mean, it's, 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 you know, I mentioned how it affects the kids or mm. how it affected the kids, yeah. but it's also affected the parents in a large way, too. Right. Uh, you know, so many people out there are working parents. Yep. Uh, distance learning puts a, a, puts a big weight on their shoulders. Huge. Uh, internally for the family, but also externally from a financial standpoint, trying to run the household. Yeah. Yeah. So that's number two on the list. And number yep. three um, is hoarding cleaning supplies. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I'd like to see in the rearview mirror as we head into 2020. I haven't checked, but are, are we low on toilet paper again in the grocery probably. stores? If yeah. I were you, I'd probably grab 12 rolls and then call it a... <laughs> 12 it rolls a or 12, 12 packs? <laughs> Which well, is what? If you read the outside of the 12 pack... 12 times 12? If you read the outside of the pack, it says that uh, one roll will last you a week. <laughs> so you get 12 weeks one worth roll. of toilet paper. Oh, okay. I don't know what these people do, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. what it says. Yeah, it seems like a the, like that's variable person to person, but um, I would agree. We'll move on from there. Yeah, you know what? I like your top three. Let's leave it behind. Good riddance uh, to twenty twenties. But li- there were, as you know, Ron, there were some silver linings in twenty twenty as well. Right, some things that 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 came out of it that might not have happened had it not been that we kind of went through this. Uh, this challenge, this pandemic. So let's talk about that for a minute. What do you think? What What were the silver linings? Yeah, there were some silver linings for sure. I, I think you know. I mean, from from an industry standpoint, I mean, being consultants on the, the health insurance side uh, for for quite a few years now, we've really tried to push technology uh, beyond just the basics of what employers use it for. And uh, it's been tough. It's been it's been tough. It's been a slow adoption. Uh, vertical by vertical, trying to get uh, people to uh, to adopt technology in different forms. Um, but one thing, one major silver lining was the the um, the I guess the reinvention of of telemedicine. Going into uh, into the beginning of 2020, 
um, telemedicine usage or utilization was up 33% from 2019, just at the beginning of the year, which is kind of a, a number that surprises people, surprised me when I read it. Um, but as the pandemic took hold late January, um, the, the numbers from January through March, just in two months, uh, skyrocketed 154%. January through March? January through March. That's three months. <laughs> it's two months. January to February, February to March. Okay. So mid-January to mid-March. Got it. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and then, um, interestingly enough, from mid-March, yeah. are right, you with me, yes. to mid-April, 30 days, uh, we saw the, the telemedicine numbers spike by over 600%. So, um, you know, the pandemic really... Uh, was the impetus behind uh, the skyrocketing numbers. But one thing that that's for sure as we head into 2021 is that telemedicine, uh, it's not a fad, it's not gonna go away. Um, you know, Kaiser Family Foundation had a survey, they said 83% um, of adults that use telemedicine between 20 and 49 um, are gonna continue to use it um, as a regular part of their uh, their healthcare. Yeah, generally if you use it once, you you learn it's it's so convenient and and effective and you'll use it again right the, the challenge has always been to get someone to try it yeah and and the pandemic did sort of force that and um yeah so that's definitely definitely a silver lining you know we'll talk more about how employers probably need to try to keep the the foot on the gas there and keep in incentivizing folks to use telemedicine what else any other silver linings yeah let's let's table that for now um but the other other uh, you know silver lining that's um, in a similar vein to telemedicine has to do with technology. And, you know, we've learned as a, as a society now um, that we can interact uh, in ways that are still very personal, but not in person. Mm. Uh, and I'm talking particularly about your Zooms, uh, your Teams meetings. Those are, you know, every, every vertical has kind of has their format that they favor. Uh, but by and large, I think these are going to be ways that we communicate um, on a regular basis for the formidable future. Yeah. And other uses of technology too, Ron, right? Did, I'm assuming you've seen clients that were perhaps resistant to a to a, a, a digital online open enrollment process that assumed that their employees wanted the old fashioned paper and in-person meetings and right that, that, that were forced to go and, and have now embraced it. How true is that? Yeah. Right? I mean, employers, um, they didn't have a choice, quite honestly. Right. You know, going back to, to April, May of last year. Uh, so they had to adapt. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you know, the, 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 going back to likening it to the, uh, to the telemedicine side, this technology has been here. It's been here for a long time. And it really just needed something to kind of get it over, over, the, uh, over the hump. And, uh, you know, for good or for bad, the pandemic did that yep. um, and kind of brought that to the forefront. So yeah, uh, kudos to employers uh, for adapting it. Um, I think it's going to be a fantastic way for open, uh, to, to uh, promote open enrollment going forward, yeah. particularly since the, uh, the technology boom hasn't stopped, right? Yeah, um, yeah. There's going to be so many apps that, that have to do with telemedicine, so many apps that have to do with mental health improvement. Uh, so many apps that that you know are just going to improve the healthcare experience yeah. uh, that are going to be now part of employers' portfolios. Right. So I don't know. I can't think of any other silver linings. But, but two is not bad. I mean, for a, for a global pandemic to come out with any silver linings is probably probably. Yeah, I mean, we could we could we could you know kind of go on and on about yeah. about the uh, you know the the 
you know, items underneath each one of those right. um, that, that were silver linings because it is just two global topics. Yeah, yeah, right. I guess the, the other one is that, you know, people could be critical of how this pandemic was handled and, and, all, and all that stuff, but probably we've learned as a nation and, and actually as a, as, a, as a species, humanity has learned a lot from this. And so if and when there's another pandemic, yeah. we should be able to react more effectively globally. Than, than we did this time, right? You would th think. Th 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 there are lessons learned from that. You would think. I don't, I don't know that I'm thinking that far ahead, Jeff, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. But, uh, you know, overall, um, you know, if you kind of go back and you evaluate how you felt in March versus how you feel right now, yeah. Um, obviously, there's going to be mixed emotions and, and different feelings from person to person. By and large, I think we kind of came through it pretty good as a yeah. nation. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, compared to what some of the predictions were early on. It, Correct. It, it, um, so let's move on. Let's move on from there and actually look ahead mm -hmm. at 2021 and beyond. So what, what, what kind of trends do you expect to see uh, in the employee benefits and HR space, you know, kind of going, going forward here? Yeah. So why don't we tackle these one at a time? Okay. Um, because they're pretty, they're pretty, and you can go deep on each one of these topics. Uh, so the first one, health plan innovation. Yeah. Um, and so, so employers, uh, you know, I'm talking about plan design. I'm talking about, you know, how you make the sausage, basically. You know, mm. what, what, what health plans are offering uh, to employers to purchase um, and, you know, what employers are, are, are putting in place so that their employees have a, a kind of a seamless, um, easy healthcare experience with their providers. Mm. And, you know, there hasn't, there, there's been innovation. Um, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, the stuff that's happening with the state of Connecticut, um, and you know the the but that innovation hasn't made it hasn't trickled down. Well, so what do you mean employers. by that state of Connecticut? Not not everybody listening might be um, what you're talking about there. Centers of excellence. Centers and, of excellence. Bundled, bundled, bundled payments. payments yep. Episodic care. Episodic, yep. Right. All all the things actually that we if you go back we, we talked about um, at our podcast the end of last year. Yeah. A lot of those didn't come to roost in 20, 2020, Number one because of the pandemic, mm. but number two. Uh, because um, it's such a high-level idea right now that it's not practical for small employers. Mm -hmm. And in Connecticut, I mean, 95% of the employers here in Connecticut have less than 500 employees. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're dealing with smaller, mid, smaller to mid-sized employers. Yeah. Um, so we've got to find a way to kind of um, let that trickle downstream. Right. Good concepts, but not practical use for employers right now. Yeah, and so the carriers are, are with it. This is this is health plan innovation on the carrier side, trying to figure out how do we how do we kind of push those principles and those strategies down market. Right, right. right. Uh, yeah, I mean the other big one that, uh, that you're hearing not just in Connecticut but around the around the country is uh, direct contracting, uh, which I think has some teeth. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's it's uh, it's finding a product you can purchase from an insurance carrier that has direct contracting in it or going self-insured unbundling your plan so your broker or consultant has the ability to help you do that um, right. with the providers that you're interested in yeah I mean isn't isn't that gonna probably be more of a, an upmarket yeah. strategy initially and then and then it will be you know okay how do we figure out how do we let the smaller employers tap into those right. strategies right and, and it's it's that last comment there that I think is the key to um, 
having this be kind of an adopted concept that actually is meaningful with with regards to how much it saves yeah how much money it saves for employers right right this this all is i mean we've done episodes uh, more than one i think on on changing the way that the payers and the providers are engaged in uh, creating incentives for providers to do the the the, the clinically um, most effective clinically drive the best outcomes clinically at the, at the lowest cost and have their reimbursements tied to that effectiveness instead of just the volume it's all part of this move to value uh, movement and then health plan innovation is I guess if you could summarize it it's putting all that into a pr- the form of a product right yeah something that's practical that an employer yeah. can purchase right and right. use yeah right well you said it too is and also hopefully make it a more simple experience for the consumer yeah right. that uh, seems to be a concept that resonates these days yeah yeah because it can be very confusing it can yeah i wonder if we'll go back to ron the the, the days of uh of 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 co-pays and and even like more capitation around centers of excellence right capitated payments bundle payments where you know we may, maybe maybe we can move away from these high deductible plans and co-insurance and the things that scare consumers and confuse them when well, they get an explanation of benefits yeah i mean it's 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 i mean the sky's the limit you know we we you know, state of connecticut implemented the move to value with their health plans yeah. um you know with the two hundred thousand employees that they have yeah. uh, or members i should say but um uh you know i mean it's it is it is something that um that employers should be on the lookout for. Yeah, because the carriers are working on it, and they're beginning to get to market with, with these kinds of right. in, in, in innovative solutions. Anything else under that health plan innovation bucket that we should talk about? Or <laughs> no, you know, I mean, I, I guess I guess the only other thing that 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 comes to mind um, is you know when when you know the CARES Act was passed, the federal government kind of came in and mandated um, no costs for a lot of services. So that so that employees and and, and Americans, quite honestly, could get to healthcare um, under this pandemic and uh, not have to worry about a barrier, a financial barrier to getting that care. Yeah. So you know the the question I would have, you know, as we kind of go into twenty twenty one and beyond, is uh, is will those copays return? You know, or will we find a way as um, healthcare innovators um, to you know do without them so that we can increase. Um, employees' abilities, Americans' abilities to to seek out healthcare the right way. So that that could be another, you know, sort of the second trend of 2021 is, is continuing to 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 remove financial barriers to value add care, right? Uh, or value based insurance design really is now what, what what we're into. Wouldn't Ron? Wouldn't um, you alluded to the removal of copays for things like telehealth, uh, te- telemedicine, right? right? That was mandated um, initially, and um, but will employers and will the health plans continue to do that? Yeah, that's that's right. the big question. That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> so quite honestly, I mean, it, well, you, you say they should. Um, I think they should. I yeah. think there's an opportunity to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Telemedicine is less expensive than in-person healthcare. Right uh, now, obviously, you can't uh, get all the same tests, blood work, etc. Um, but um, you know, it, it 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 has proven to be effective. 
sure. uh, for 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 specific certain certain specific areas of care. Yeah. So so we can expect this continued push or, 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 you know, trying to maintain the momentum around telemedicine, keep the usage high. Used to be, you know, if, if you were achieving a high single-digit, low double-digit yeah. rate of, of, of utilization on telemedicine, you were doing really well as an employer. Yeah, right? that's, those days are gone, those right? Days, now, you, now you've got to, you, you want, you know, what, half your people or more to be to be at least registered to use it, if yeah. not actually using it. Yeah, it, it, it goes a little bit beyond that too. I mean, telemedicine is on the list of trends, my list of trends for, for 2021, uh, a continued trend. Um, and I see the telehealth services expanding. You know, I mean, we, we've seen uh, primary care, we've seen some specialty care, uh, prescription drug, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, getting getting uh, prescribed. Um, but I think the biggest area that we're going to see in 21 of uh, the adoption of uh, is mental health, virtual mental health. Uh, there are nine companies right now. If you kind of go on and, and, and Google the nine companies that are um, already doing this and offering this as kind of an ancillary service. Um, you know, three of which are, are, are five-star rated. The others haven't kind of quite gotten, quite gotten their feet under them yet. Uh, but um, that's going to be a market that explodes. Virtual therapy, you're Correct. talking about. Correct. Yeah, 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 right. Um, well, you know, we've talked a lot on the podcast about the connection between the mind and the body and, and, and how undiagnosed and or untreated behavioral health issues just, you know, lead to a host of physical issues and drive cost and drive cost up altogether and um and also it's just you know you, you can't have a really a great quality of life and pursue your happiness when when you're not taking care of that stuff so i think this in enhancing an enhanced focus on behavioral health benefits mental health substance abuse benefits and and um, removing stigma and making it easier to get access to good care there. Think yeah, about the, that. The, Think yeah. about that because, because you know, it wasn't even you know just just a little over a year ago that uh, you know so many uh, people that I know personally and I'm sure around the country uh, would 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 stick it in the back drawer, you know, and just just uh, you know, it's I'm fine, no worries, don't worry about it, I'll get through it. You fight through it, and. Uh, uh, you know, it was it did have a, a stigma stigma attached to it. Yeah. Um, again, for good or for bad, the pandemic lifted that. Right. Uh, and now, um, I mean, you see the numbers skyrocketing. The numbers are, are skyrocketing not only just because of the pandemic. You know, anxiety, depression, in particular, those two. But the numbers are skyrocketing because people aren't afraid to say, "I have it." You know, they are, and 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 you know, credit virtual mental health for that. Yeah. yeah. Think about how private that is. You know, versus having to go to a, a clinic, you know, or a doctor and profess, you know, you think you got something wrong with you. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, you know, I think there's, 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 there's a couple of dynamics going on there, but I think it's by, by and large, it's turned out to benefit, um, benefit our society. What, what a perfect thing to be able to do from the privacy of your home. Exactly. Right. Where you feel comfortable. That seems like low-hanging fruit and, and why, you know, again, so we missed that as a silver lining, I guess. <laughs> Um, I mean, we yeah, talked about telemedicine. Up. Just going back to telemedicine, wouldn't it be great if, like, I mean, I guess I won't be able to get a colonoscopy uh, via, via telemedicine in 20, maybe 2022 that will happen. <laughs> 
the in-home colonoscopy. <laughs> what else? Any other trends you want to talk about for 2021? Um, one that's a trend for, for 2021. It's kind of been a continued trend for the last couple of years. Talk about your non-medical benefits. Um, some people refer to them as voluntary offerings. Uh, these have been a kind of a mainstay for many employers for a, quite a few years. Benefits like critical illness, benefits like accident, voluntary short-term disability, and so forth. But um, we'll probably see that market expand. You know, I you know you got your pet-related insurances, yeah. uh, uh, paid legal services, uh, things of that nature that are are now actually starting to be um, called upon more and more and more. Um, so. Yeah, uh, um, uh, student loan assistance programs, That's another, a big one. another big one, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the expansion of these voluntary benefits, um, uh, I agree. I think that's going to continue. It's been trending. It has. Uh, but it, I think that will continue to trend in more and more employers. And again, these things kind of can, they, they sort of tend to move down market. Yeah. Right? Um, and while it might be a mainstay for some of the large national accounts kinds of, kinds of employers, smaller employers are realizing that, their employees want a robust, really robust benefit suite, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that's not all employer paid. You know, it doesn't have to all be employer no, paid. And no. that's, that's the beauty of these voluntary benefits is it's a benefit and it's a great thing to offer on a group basis, and, but it's not costing the employer anything. anything. It's not. And, and on top of that, employers are really still waking up to the idea that they, got, they have a multi-generational workforce that mm -hmm. they've got to try to appeal to. Yeah. Um, obviously, the millennials kind of still the overriding um, population within your, your most most companies, yep. uh, and the fastest growing. But you know, then again, you gotta gotta be able to appeal to all all your audiences. Right. Right. Ron, what that, is, that that's good for trends. I think we yeah. could, we could go on probably, but sort of related to trends, but in in more of a a um, sort of a vigilant kind of way, vigilance kind of way. Like, what do, what do employers need to look out for? Uh, in in 2021, things they they got to keep their eye on, be aware of, you know, be maybe a little bit concerned about. Don't let your guard down. Things like that. Yeah. So here, here's one of the ones that's been bothering me for a long time. As as healthcare professionals, and bear with me, mm -hmm. as healthcare professionals, uh, we've been trying to figure out as have the has the entire marketplace what's going to happen next year. Yeah. And the year after when it comes to utilization, right? Yeah. Uh, we've had pent up demand for a long period of time because of the pandemic. And how, how are Americans going to respond? Uh, and how is their healthcare going to respond? Yeah. And I think that, you know, there, there are specific conditions. I mean, if you think about chronic conditions like diabetes, you think about heart condition, uh, asthma, um, things of that nature where, you know, if, if somebody is taking care of themselves, they're taking their meds and they're going to their doctor, they're getting their blood work and their, and their lab work, uh, by and large, those conditions can, can, can be controlled and, and stay intact for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. But if somebody, you know, doesn't, aren't, isn't attentive to all the things that I just mentioned, yep. uh, and they're not able to get to their doctor, um, or they're rationing medicines, you know, because they can't afford it because they lost their job. I mean, all these byproducts of the pandemic could weigh heavily um, on those types of conditions. And what I'm concerned about is will we see in 2020, 2021 and 22 spikes in large claims that are offshoots of conditions like that? Unmanaged chronic conditions, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the other thing that could spike, you know, we still don't know, I don't think, we can't really find a carrier that's putting a stake in the ground, I think, on 
what about residual cost or ongoing cost related to the pandemic itself? Right. Um, there are still going to be some people, even even when the, with the vaccines, there's still there's still going to be testing. There's still going to be cost of care. Um, you know, what costs are going to be related to that in 2021? Well, you know, it's funny. You I, you and I were chit chatting about this a little bit before, yeah. and, and uh, that's a big old question mark, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just don't know. Right. Um, you know, I mean, the the uh, the first vaccines are are happening in Connecticut today. Right. Um, and what is that going to look like in, in 2021? Yeah. Um, so what's it going to look like? In other words, you know, will the will the federal government kind of keep the promise to, to be to foot the bill uh, right. for or everybody or, or will it, it fall be, back or on will the it health be like, plan? Oh, well, wait a second. You know, right. We'll foot the bill for this group of people, but not, right. you know, and then so what cost will employers have to incur? If any, yeah. And what cost, therefore, will employees have to incur? And can you mandate that your employees get the vaccine before they come back to work? There's a whole host of questions that. Yeah that there's gray area on that we're not sure about and we need to keep our eye on it right? one of the things that i've been i've been i've been reading a lot about is is testing for employers because uh you know i think that um, small employers um mid-sized employers large employers um are going to to to, to want to have their employees tested on a regular basis quicker and quicker and quicker right so that they can get results so that people can come in and do their jobs and be productive right. and they can run their business yeah right now the testing is kind of a big question mark mm. um, you know you there 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 is an opportunity to what's uh, a self-test uh, I'm hoping that becomes much more of a of the the, the, the prevalence of, of how people get tested yeah um, so you know it's it's not any different than um, going to CVS or going to a healthcare provider, mm. you know, waiting in line and getting tested and then waiting for your results. I don't think I could stick a, a Q-tip up my own nose, though. <laughs> Somebody might be able to do that for you. Yeah, yeah. In your own household. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. but, but I, <laughs> It doesn't sound like fun. It's not fun. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to be fun. Right, yeah. Um, but at any rate, I mean, I think it's, it's, I think it's something that, that a lot of people are considering. And yeah. You'll see more and more availability of that in the marketplace. Yep, yep. What else? What 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 else do employers have to be aware of? Keep their eyes on. Uh, uh, one big one uh, that is kind of off pandemic topic in Connecticut is the uh, Connecticut paid um, family leave. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a big one we've been talking about all year. Yep. Uh, you've done podcasts on it. Uh, we've done seminars here at One Digital about it. Um, it's kind of all over the place, and um, you know, there there's really there's, there's so many things we could talk about when it comes to that. But for employers, my advice to employers is twofold. Get registered. Go onto the Connecticut website for paid family leave. Register your organization. That's item number one. It's simple. Got to be done by? January 1st. January 1st, right. And item number two is start taking the deductions. Make sure you're organized. Make sure you've talked to your uh, your payroll company yeah. um, and that you're taking the dedu deductions starting the first payroll yeah. in 2021. If you do, do nothing else, right. do those two things. Yeah, uh, and I'll just add one thing. And in, in, in you've communicated to your employees that these deductions are going to start to happen in January and why, right? <laughs> because people will will notice. And, and if you don't kind of give them a heads up, yeah. um, that, that, Very could be, that, that could be rough. Very true. Yeah. So another thing, Ron, I think employers need to be, uh, you know, thinking about mm -hmm. and concerned about is at some point, hopefully in 2021, I think it will happen, is, you know, we're kind of going to emerge from 
the lockdowns and, and everybody, you know, who can work remotely, working remotely, and open offices back up, right? And there are employees that didn't used to be remote, who went remote and like it, and want to stay remote, and how are employers going to address that? I mean, don't, don't they need to maybe think about, you know, their, their employee handbook and, and making sure that they have those rules in place about, hey, you know, can you work remotely? If so, five days a week, three days a week, two days a week, who qualifies, et cetera. I mean, it, isn't that sort of a, a concern or shouldn't it be a concern? It's, it's, a, it's a big concern yeah. for specific verticals. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there are certain uh, industries that have adapted quite well to the at-home lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, and for those industries, they probably, you know, for those employees, they're probably not seeing beyond the trees, so to speak, because there's so many industries, manufacturing being one of them, where you kind of have to be on site with your product yeah. in order to make whatever it is your employer makes. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about the the transition back into the, into the office or back into the, the, the plant or the firm or wherever it is, you kind of have to look at it from both standpoints, the employer standpoint and the employee standpoint. And, and for giving advice to employers, uh, the employer has to do the due diligence around their business to figure out, all right, so if we stay like this for a while, which I'm sure they already have, mm -hmm. but if we stay like this for a while, or we can only get 40% of our workforce back, the essential 40% that's operating machines, mm -hmm. for example, um, we need to know if we're gonna be productive enough to make the product to stay in business, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's the, the number one item, obviously, employers probably have been working on this year, the latter half of this year going into 21. Yep. Uh, employees have to be figuring, have to be, at least have to be thinking about um, how they can, can they do their job the best that they can do in a virtual environment? Or do they need to make accommodations for their employer so that they're able to do their job part-time virtual and part-time in the office. Yeah. I mean, those are, the, those are the things that I think uh, managers, by and large, are going to have to discuss with employees, uh, depending on the jobs. Yeah, so they better be prepared to discuss it. Yeah. The questions are coming. If they haven't already, it's not simple. They're, 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 Let's right. just put it's it not that simple, way. and people are going to ask, and people are going to want to, some people are going to continue to want to work from home. Right. Um, and, uh, and so have a strategy, right? Uh, know how you're going to handle that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, la last thing I'll mention is I think you know we'll we'll, we'll probably continue to see this this um, understanding. We talked about the the impact of behavioral health on physical health. There's really it's really a three legged stool because financial well being and mental well being and physical well being those three things that that kind of completes the stool as well. And so employers I think are going to continue to have to think about. What sort of what assistance they can bring to their employees in managing, in managing their finances, in managing their physical health, and managing their their mental health as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you find so many employers now that do that themselves. Right. Right. And there are resources, um, expert resources that you can tap into. Um, that, exactly. That uh, you know have the means to, to help. That's right. Yep. I think that probably wraps it up from my perspective. If uh, unless you've got parting thoughts I'm, I'm not gonna let you go yet though because you know you yeah. have to answer some rapid-fire uh, questions You've, this is not your first rodeo here no parting thoughts for me no okay no I think we, we exhausted a lot of really good topics to be honest yes I am exhausted you're right <laughs>
<laughs> All right, just just a, a couple of, uh, of final questions for you, Ron, real quick. Uh, top of mind, first thing that comes to mind, cats or dogs? Uh, dogs, for sure. Favorite band? <sighs> it depends on what era you're talking about, but if I had to lay it down, it's probably either Van Halen or Rush. Oh, I forgot you were a Rush fan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, I say that, people are, are quite surprised. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Ah, God, in the spirit of Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, I'd like the power of rehealing. Oh, yeah, grow an arm back. How cool would that be? And lastly, Ron, you know our theme at One Digital this year is being bold. So what does that mean to you, being bold? Being bold to me means standing up for what you believe is the right thing to do in all circumstances. Mm, great. Love that. Ron Theriel, thanks for joining us today. Always a blast to have My you pleasure. on the podcast. Yep, uh, It's been our pleasure these past few months bringing all of you listeners up to speed on all the trending topics in employee benefits and in the HR space. We're going to take a little break as we revamp our podcast for 2021. We're going to make it even better for you guys, so, so stay tuned. Uh, bear with us as we take a little break and, and just kind of really uh, – really jack this thing up. From One Digital, myself and my producer, Kayla Adamson, we wish you and your family a happy, healthy, and really safe holiday season. We all deserve extra cheer as we head into the new year. So please take some time for yourselves, refresh, recharge, and spend time with your loved ones. As always, thanks for tuning in. This has been another episode of Friends with Employee Network.